Hello and welcome to episode 719 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Tuesday, July 23rd. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, and I'm joined by Justin Mason. Justin, what's going on? I don't know what to do with the weather out here. Like it, Today, <laughs> it's 90 degrees. Yesterday, it was like a high of 72. Like I just oh that's that's interesting. Well, and it's really hard when you're a parent because like you don't have to just worry about like what you wear. You have to worry about like little people wear. Yeah, um, you're trying to uh, help them out, of course. Yeah, it just uh, it's all over the place here. Uh, but other than that, I'm I'm doing all right, man. How are you? It's good. I'm doing well. Um, yeah, just you know, it's that part. Uh, we're hitting the dog days, and I I can feel it. Um. I wish this deadline would get going. I, I, I would. I, I've been afraid of this now for a little while, and we, we might not. I, I might. I might be overreacting right now, but I, I have been afraid that we could see a dud of a deadline here. I don't really know what to expect. Uh, that's part of it, though. Too. Is that, that's why I think it could be a dud. Is because it's. It could just go either way. You and you have, but you have to think like if teams are want to make moves. This is the only chance. There is no more yes. August waiver trades. So, like, if you're going to make a move, though, the problem is the Giants keep winning. I, that, dude, like, that's how do you huge... feel about that, by the way? Yeah, we got a Giants fan here. I forgot. Uh, <laughs> it's, um, uh, how are you feeling about that? I'd be, I'd be losing my mind. It's really funny because, uh, you know, I mean, I don't have any connections within the organization, but I've got friends in the industry that do. And, like, I get text messages from, like, five or six different people going, um, you know, th- this member of the Giants is, like, really freaking out because uh, they don't want <laughs> – they don't expect to, like, no. compete for a playoff spot. But, like, they can't conceivably sell in the middle of this hot streak. Uh, I mean, I think they're 10-2 and two since I started growing my playoff beard. So, Oh, my God. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's insane. Uh, I think these next two games against the Cubs are gonna uh, really kind of you know pinpoint what they're gonna do because the rest of their schedule before uh, August first is pretty cake. I think they got to set against the Padres yeah, and then against the Marlins or something like that. So if they win these next two games, it's I think they're going to either have to hold or, or at least just not sell, which isn't good for the franchise in the long term. Uh, yeah. They should get whatever they can for uh, for Bumgarner, for, for Will Smith, for some of the, you know, especially like really For most of the bullpen. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, if you can get out from under that Melanson contract, you have to do it. I mean, they have, they have a bullpen that could, that could fuel the trade deadline, seriously. And they're not going to do it. I think they might trade Will Smith because you can – you can trade him, and it's not giving up, especially if they got, say, like a prospect and somebody they put on the roster now, even if it's not that great of a player. just It, it just won't look like a total sell. It's like, hey, we got both feet in, but our bullpen is so deep, we knew we could we could lose a little something there, and we brought in, you know, whatever starter or, or part-time player that they can bring in with a prospect for Will Smith. They might spin it that way. But if they keep winning like this, Bumgarner's not going anywhere. And they're certainly not going to trade multiple pieces out of the bullpen, which is a nightmare. They need to tra- – dude, <laughs> they need to the best case scenario here – Yes, the best case scenario here is to be a sacrificial lamb for the Dodgers. That, let's just be real. And, of course, yes, anything can happen. We all know that sort of you know small percentage stuff. But we're talking about the odds, and this is the sort of stuff that front offices have to – look at and play and understand what percentage chance would they be to beat the Dodgers? 10% max? I don't even know if, because let's talk about like the Giants World Series from you know earlier this decade uh, in you know, 2010, 12, and 14. Like they weren't the best team in baseball. Like I know, in Justin. Any, in any of those seasons – and you can you can obviously say they just got hot at the right time, uh, you know maybe there was something special within the clubhouse, whatever BS you want to throw out there. But they ultimately, yeah, ultimately like they weren't the best team in baseball in any of those championships. Uh, that being said, like this team wouldn't even come close to beating any of those teams. <laughs> no, like this exactly. team is awful. They're just hot <laughs> at the right time. 
the uh, wrong time. Well, the, the yeah, absolute the, wrong, the wrong time. time. Um, so, uh, like, I don't know how. Like, I understand. Like, it's hard to explain to a fan base uh, yes. because most fans are the stupid. And to um, the guys in the field, though, the guys going out there busting their ass every day, it's hard to I really look at them in the eye that. too. I don't know. Not when you're in the heat of it. I don't think. Yeah, probably be- not. But who because, cares? You're gonna be trading them away anyways. Well, yeah, you know, like the, oh, deal only, with the repercussions. The only person that really team. matters on this on the team right now is Posey because he's gonna be there for the long haul. Like, yeah, you know, he's riding it he, out. He's he's the face of the franchise. He's gonna retire a giant. All all that good stuff. He's probably smart enough to know they have to sell because exactly. he's probably gonna be like a front mm-hmm. office guy after his career or manager. In Crawford, like he's probably Crawford's same way. Like Crawford's a guy who like he gets it. He, like he, you know, yeah. Uh, uh, so, like, who cares what anybody else thinks? I mean, this is really on the front office that made moves that made it look like they were trying to compete earlier in the season. Yeah. Like, you shouldn't have been making your team better in March and, you know, April. You should have been making it much, much worse. And I, I'm sure some will disagree and be like, well, if you have a chance, you got to take it. There's they no don't chance. have a chance. Yeah, there's though. no chance. This is it's... not good. You know, I, I I was talking. I've been talking about this on my Twitch stream a lot, and I was saying how I'm almost rooting for them at this point because it's so hilarious. But then I was like, May- or I'm super evil, and I'm gonna go the other way. I'm rooting for them to keep going this week, and then from August 1st to August 12th, just lose like and, 11 and in a row. That's what's gonna happen. Like I, I, that that would be so funny, dude. If they don't trade, they move like Sam Dyson. Yeah. That's it. They're, and they're ten then they and two lose. since the break, and they're like a game above five hundred. Like, it's Dude. like this hot streak hasn't really put them, like it hasn't put them like in a position to like even be leading the wild card. Like that's how yeah, bad the, they've the, been. The dirty secret is even before this run, they were kind of in it by by a game's back standpoint, but they're not in it because the the amount of teams that are ahead of them too. It's not just a team or two. It's it's three right now. And, you know, a couple behind them in their own division who could rise up and compete with them or be right behind, you know, be neck and neck with them in Colorado and San Diego, depending on what they do at the break. So they're, they're just complete frauds. Um, I don't envy Farhan Zaidi, but he should make the right move and, and just proceed with the trades because they're not going to do anything. But anyway, yeah, we, we, we focus on that because they do have – kind of some keys to the uh, trade deadline there with Bumgarner and the bullpen pieces. But if they don't get things going, I don't know, man. And you have a lot of those teams that are kind of in an in, 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 yeah. in-between zone. Like, what does Texas do? Like, one of the things they, just, right, they hit right. their losing streak, though. See, they went yeah, the right way. They've lost eight I, straight. <laughs> yeah, I think they've become clear of like, okay. And I like them better than the San Francisco team all day. Yeah, for sure. But they just lost eight straight right now, and so – uh, yeah, they they should probably look to go the other way, and I know that Mike Miner, you know, that he came out as uh, angry about the trade rumors and all, and you know, I get it to a degree uh, because he has another year yeah, there. You're, to... you're Mike Miner, though. You you you're lucky that you've had this career rebound and you're still in the league at this point. Like, well, and he could just bring back so much because he has more than just exactly. A, He's got that just year a mental. Control. Um, yeah, it's gonna be an interesting deadline for sure. I'm. Uh, I'm I'm super excited to see. Uh, you, you know what will actually is going to happen. Like I can predict right now, um, what's going to happen is all the talent is going to go from the NL to the AL, and nothing's going to go from the AL to the NL. Yes. Uh, because I hoarded all my fab in my NL onlys and spent it in my AL onlys. There you go. That's so, exactly. Like I can happen. completely predict. Um, and for those of you who follow me on Twitter, do not tweet my wife saying I'm talking crap about our Giants. That's just one way to get me in more trouble. You, you, you know now they're going to, yeah, right? I, I'm going to bleep you, that out. You, you just invited that. There you go. You're going to have to time that. Um, all right. Well, there isn't a ton of news right now that's like really noteworthy. I don't know that we really need to break down Yandy Diaz going back to the IL. So what we're going to do today is focus on rookies. It's a really deep rookie class. And basically the way I set this up was just a bunch of uh, rookie debates uh, two guys that are kind of similar in value, uh, how you like them for the rest of this year and going forward because they obviously um, are going to be hot commodities next year at the draft. And I'm, I'm really eager to see how you feel about them. We have 13 different groupings here. So let's dive right into it and start at the top here with 
Jordan Alvarez and Fernando Tatis Jr. Now they do things a little differently, so that's going to uh, you know make it a little bit more difficult to compare them. But I think when we really look at it, uh, you know they're probably the the top two guys right now as far as standouts for this year. Vlad Jr. is still going to be in the mix as one of the highest from this class to go along with the guy that Vlad Jr. is up against. But these are the two biggest risers among rookies. So where are you going the rest of the year right now? And let's say that needs are equal, because obviously if you had a steals need, you would lean toward Tatis. And if it was more of a power need, you'd go Alvarez. But let's just say neutral. You need offense, or it's a points league. Between Jordan Alvarez, Fernando Tatis Jr., who do you like the rest of the year? Mm. See, this is an interesting question as, you know, posed as rest of the year or as next season because rest of the year oh we'll do that one next yeah. don't worry rest of the year i'm taking alvarez okay it's a better lineup uh, around him so i think uh just a greater potential for runs and rbis rest of the year the power is obviously legit but it, it's the the average that really is crazy coming with all that power i mean this is a guy so who nice. can easily hit 20 home runs rest of the way which is oh insane at this point in the season but it's true. He could. Yeah. And if Alvarez did, I don't think anyone would. I mean, it'd be, it'd be amazing to watch, but I don't think anyone would be blown away. And it'd that would give 31, him 31 home runs <laughs> after being called up in what? Like, was it was late June? In June. <laughs> oh, my God. He, he may end up being, you know, the rookie of the year in, in the American League. And he got the latest start of all the big rookies. Well, especially with Brandon Lau getting hurt. Mm -hmm. That's really going to open it up for Alvarez. Um, all right, so let's flip it forward to 2020 then. these Both the, both these guys are going to be high-round picks. I got some people kind of asking me, you know, first-round pick for Alvarez. I'm like, I do not see it because in, unless he does hit that 20 homers the rest of the – you know, if he does something like that while maintaining a 300-plus batting average, then you might see him, like, sneak into the first round in some drafts. I still think he'd be more of a second-rounder. But for me right now, based on what I think Alvarez is going to do the rest of the year – I see him as more of a Juan Soto type, at least in terms of his draft value. Their profiles may be a bit different, but but the bottom line of where they're going to be drafted after a big rookie year, I think will be similar, which is that late second, early third um, ADP, depending on how big your league is. I, I'll, I'll be drafting him. I was open to taking Soto. He ended up not really working out, but I wasn't against his ADP. I just never really ended up getting him, but I, I thought it was a fine ADP and if Alvarez does wind up there I'd be cool with that too but who do you like more next year between Alvarez and Tatis Jr. I think it's Tatis and I don't know that it's particularly close so do you have Tatis as a fringe first rounder or is he a firm second rounder um I mean I haven't like sat down and like like really planned it out for next year I, I didn't do a three sport draft uh this year so I'm not like already drafting for not already yeah uh which, well, I, we'll have to, which uh, I typically do uh, by this point, uh, that being said, I think it, just off the top of my head, I think he's a firm first rounder. Wow. Okay. Fernando Tatis Jr. Firm first rounder hitting 324, 16 homers and 14 steals in just 64 games of work. Does have a 30% strikeout rate. Not a bad 9% walk rate to counterbalance it a little bit, right? That's a lot of swing and miss. But I'll take the 9% walk rate, and if he works on both, what if he's more of like 27% and 11% with the strikeout walk rates for Tatis Jr.? I could really live with that. So if there's some growth there for a 20-year-old, you wouldn't be that surprised. So you're saying he's coming in firm first rounder for you next year, shortstop, power speed, dynamic. What do you think is a realistic line for him next year? Not an upside, but something that you would be comfortable projecting and uh, and getting if you take him in that first round. See, I'm going to project a little bit of power growth because I mean the one th one of the things that we thought we would uh, see him maybe struggle with a bit this year is striking out too much, which mm -hmm. for the most part he has, but not necessarily a an obscene amount comparatively speaking to what he did in the minor leagues, anyways. Yes. Uh, and then the power maybe wasn't fully developed. I still think he. I mean, the way he hits the ball, that power is pretty close to developed, but. I think a full year at the majors next year, I think he has a realistic shot for a 30-20 season. Um, oh my goodness. with like a 280. I'm I'm going to I'm going to regress batting average a fair amount. Sure. But like 30-20-280, that's a first rounder. Yes. Oh, at shortstop especially. And I know shortstop's deep, but you still want 
that premium there. In fact, the depth is why you want the premium there because you don't want to fall behind when you know some guys are putting major shortstops at their middle for crying out loud. So that'd be incredible from Fernando Tatis Jr. I could definitely see some of, of that particular growth when he gets that first year under his belt. We'll see how he adjusts to the league versus how they adjust to him. The speed, if even if he flipped it, maybe the power didn't quite develop and yeah. say he was more of like a 22 homer, but he was 30 he's plus so steals. Fast. So, so, so fast. He's 14 for 17 this year. It could maybe go the other way next year, and then down the line, he develops and kind of flips it as more of a 30-20. But either way, I would take either. So, wow, I'm going to be really interested to see if he does end up as a firm first-rounder. I'm also really eager uh, because this year at AFL, that draft is going to be in mid-October. And that's, you know, it's only playoffs that would have passed, but it's but it's an extra two, three weeks earlier than it's normally done. And I just want to see what kind of craziness is going to come from that because the season's going to be fresh off of our brains. Stupid Major League Baseball moving the Arizona Fall League. How dare they? I, I thought that was I thought it was kind of weird. I'm not going to lie. But uh, all right, so that's uh, Jordan Alvarez versus Fernando Tatis Jr. Let's go over to Pete Alonso and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Now they've taken different trajectories, but they started at different spots. That's why I thought pairing them up was uh was worthwhile alonzo obviously exceeding expectations having an amazing year vlad has underwhelmed against expectations by any measure but still shows those flashes and if if you're paying attention you should still be holding out for some excitement in this in these final two months like he could still really turn things around put a big bow on this season with two great months and nobody would be surprised so guerrero jr or alonzo the rest of the way and then we'll flip it forward to 2020 I mean, I think you have to go with Alonzo, considering what he's shown. He's got 33 home runs this year. 33. Uh, I mean, I I was I've I've been expecting kind of the downturn for him, and it's just not coming. Like it's just not, you know. It's, it's, holding a 265 average to it. See, I, again, I had him down. I was like 30 homers, yeah, in his sleep, but 230 average. I thought it was going to be, you know, kind of a Hunter Renfro type of thing. And by the way, Renfro himself has exceeded. His profile, but uh, yeah, Alonzo has proven me wrong, and I've been very impressed by him. Yeah, I, uh, and I, I mean, you just got to go with him. <laughs> the, the the greater skills are Guerrero, and I think next year, Alonzo, comparatively speaking, Alonzo is going to be a guy that I fade for a guy like Guerrero. I think yes, Guerrero will still have like he's not gonna like drop or anything necessarily a ton. Uh, in like ADP, but he's not gonna he's not gonna be at the top fifty like he was this year, um, and so you'll get a discount on him next year. He'll be a, a really nice bargain, and like you said, he could still tear it up rest of the way. I mean, we we saw what he can do in the home run derby. The worst thing exactly. that happened for fantasy is that he just crushed that home run derby because everybody oh, yeah. will remember that come draft season next year. Yeah, they got a taste, and I, honestly, I don't even think the discount's gonna be that much. Um, Comparing it similarly, I know the, their prospect pedigree is different, but it, it's reminding me a little bit of, of Luis Castillo, where there really wasn't a discount despite the disappointment off of the high expectations. I don't know that Vlad's really going to drop that much. I think maybe around max. And again, depends how he finishes too, because if he does beast, then he's going to go right where he did uh, this past year when he was like a, a third round pick firmly with uh, with second round peaks. So Pete Alonso versus Vlad Guerrero Jr. I'm going to go same as you. I think I'll go Alonso the rest of the way and then and then Guerrero Jr. for next year. Man, I really want to take Guerrero Jr. the rest of the way, though. Now, I just I'll, don't I'll stick, know that you can. I mean, it's... I I'll stick mean, with Alonso. Alonso's just been so good. You're talking I, about a guy who could hit you 20 and get the rest of the way still. I mean, and that's, Steiner, that's Alonso. And the bat both project him to have 16 rest of the way. That's They're fantastic. projecting him for 49 home runs in his rookie season. Yeah, yeah. So we're, so we're going Alonzo the rest of the way this year for sure. Um, and then Vlad Jr. back, hopefully with a discount, but we'll see. Next two guys here, Keston Hira versus Oscar Mercado. They've both been nice little power-speed combos. Uh, Hira had a little bit more of the pedigree coming in, and he's definitely maintained it. Mercado was definitely a prospect, but didn't quite have the same set of hype. But his skills that he's shown so far, eight homers, nine steals, 297 average, he's been great. And I've mentioned this before, 
during Fabapalooza, Mercado was kind of the lower rung. He was the cheap he, guy. He was the cheap guy, man. I mean, we talk about Derek Van Riper snaking him for a buck, which was insane. But even in the leagues that were, you know, fully engaged and, and really going in, he was like $65 when all these other guys were triple digits. And look at what he's done. So between Hira and Mercado, who do you like the rest of the way? This is this may be crazy, but I'm leaning Mercado. Yo, let's go. Sweep it, dude. Yes, me too. Uh, the speed factor, um, I actually kind of believe in the batting average a bit more. I, I'm with you, man. Uh, I wish he'd walk a little bit more, but he's only striking out at a 17% clip. Like, that is... Yeah. Uh, this is a former kind of forgotten prospect, uh, and he's getting I remember... a chance to play full-time. The problem with Hura is he's striking out a 30% clip, if for some reason he struggles, Travis Shaw could come up and take lurking. playing time from him. There's He's no lurking. one taking that playing time from Oscar Mercado. No, yeah, because their outfield has been so brutal. I mean, he's been a godsend for them. And if you look now, uh, nine homers and a 10.53 OPS for Travis Shaw in AAA. You know, he's getting back on track. It is AAA. It is, you know, rabbit ball down there. But he is finally hitting a bit, too. It so is, he is it, looming. Uh, is, isn't it? Don't they play in Colorado Springs? No, no. His, his is San Antonio. Oh, okay. They, they change them around so much. They ch- yeah. They, well, they finally jettisoned Colorado Springs to A-ball because – Teams were tired. I mean, they, they kept musical chairs in it and saying, we don't want this well, and sticking it with another org. They triple A because it was just unfair. Exactly. You just don't want to watch them get obliterated like that. So, But you make a great point about Hira. If he went into like an extended you know, week, 10-day to two-week slump, that could start costing him playing time. Mercado has a lot more protection there. And I think his speed is a little bit more legitimate as well. He does have nine steals over Hira's six. Uh, but here it has a little one more homer than uh, than Mercado at nine to eight, both hitting for average. So yeah, we'll go for Mercado for next year. Considering cost, I wonder if you're going to stick with Mercado still because I think Hero will be more expensive than him. At least that's what I'm operating under. In which case, I'm sticking with Mercado given his cost next year as well. What, what do you think about that with their 2020 draft costs? No, I think I'm going Hero next year. I mean, Mustakis is. On a one-year deal, my guess is they won't exercise that mutual option uh, for him and just to make sure that uh, both Shaw and Hira have a full-time role uh, in this infield. Uh, and it's just such a good park, such a good team around him. Uh, I, I, and I just I, I love the talent uh, for, for Kess and Hira, who for some reason I still can't figure out how to spell his name. Hi. Hyera. Yeah. That's yeah. why a lot of people say it as Hyera because yeah. that's how it's spelled. I need to remember that because for me, I, I always put it as Huria. And then I'm like, <laughs> that's not right. That's wrong. I remember I took him at the uh, the Arizona Fall League draft last year. And, you know, just I, we get reminders every year uh, about how long the season is. I remember there was a point, I think, around May when I was like, damn, that was such a dumb pick. Because he had he wasn't up and it wasn't looking like he was gonna you know be up. Uh, it must have been right before he got called up because he got called up in May 14th or maybe I was panicking in April, which is even dumber. But I remember thinking like, yeah, stupid pick, you idiot, you got blinded by what you, you saw. Were probably be panicking when everybody was injured. It was probably like Absolutely. one of those situations where it's like, oh, I have no healthy bodies, but look, I've got Keston here. I've Keston here. If only he was here. Good job, Paul. Um, and yeah, now he's now he's been dominating. So love what he's doing. Gonna gonna be looking at both next year. To be honest, I will. Like I said, yeah, I'm gonna have I favor both, Mercado because sure. I think he'll be cheaper. But I like both guys. I want to be clear about that. Uh, let's go to the next group here: Victor Robles and Nick Senzel. Now they're both speed options uh, with some punch. Eight homers, nine steals for Senzel. Uh, Victor Robles has 14 and 15 respectively. Uh, but he's hitting 250. He's really kind of been uh, not quite what was expected. But of course, when you go 14 homers, 15 steals, that that protects. That that's why I liked somebody like Robles, even at his high cost, because I thought he had a solid floor, even if things didn't pan out, which they haven't quite panned out to high expectations this year. But who do you like the rest of the way between Robles and Senzel? Assuming Senzel isn't uh, isn't seriously injured. I know he got banged up the other day, but I think uh, he's going to be back in the lineup soon. But who do you like more between those two? I'm going to stick with 
Robles. Okay. Uh, and I probably shouldn't. Uh, the, the big difference here is speed. Did you know that Victor Robles is 10th in the major leagues in stolen bases? Dang, that's really good. So, you know, it may, it may not seem like a super impressive number, but he, I mean, he's still on pace for like 26 or something stolen bases for the year. Which means almost the same for homers because he has 14 and 15 yeah. homers and steals. So we're talking about a guy that, you know, yeah, he's hitting 250. That should come up a, a tad bit. Maybe it's 260 rest of the way, something like that. But is on pace for like a 24-26 season. Oh, that plays. <laughs> so, you know, maybe, maybe deal the with power that. doesn't come through that much, but like he probably should finish at like 1926. And that's like... That, that, that doesn't even it's account dumb. for a, a heater that he could go on. The fact that he really struggled really early on in the season and it really did nothing, you know, for like a month. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I, I think you just you don't worry about the average as much and you do take those counting stats uh, on a Nationals team that will finally compete without Bryce Harper. Spinning it forward, <laughs> I imagine that they're going to have similar – draft costs next year because Senzo was highly touted and mm -hmm. if he'd have been guaranteed a job you know I think he's going to have a similar helium to Robles uh, for what he did this year while Robles is going to kind of run in place a bit and be the same you know early round pick that he was this past year so who do you like better in 2020 assuming a, a relatively similar draft cost between Senzo and Robles I think I'm probably going to stick with Robles and it's nothing against uh Senzo I mean I think he's a very talented player I just think he is more of a safe floor as opposed to a massive ceiling like Robles has. Mm -hmm. And I just worry about him staying on the field. Uh, now, this year has been great in terms of since he's been up, he's kind of stayed on the field. But we don't want to forget that like he wasn't up early because he got injured again. And last year he was injured. And yeah. before that he was injured. Uh, and he, you know, he still has a history of these weird vertigo attacks, which don't necessarily go away and can come back without any warning. Absolutely. So, what, like once that, you have vertigo, you can uh, you can always like have a yeah, bout of it or suffer. Yeah, it can from always it. reoccur. I've got a coworker who who struggles with it, um, and I and I actually I, had a weird case of it come up a few years ago. And I'll tell I you, too. it was the weirdest thing that has ever happened to me. Like I, well, so. What what happened during during yours? Because I, I had I had it too, and it was it was wild, dude. Well, I, when I was a kid, because I, I I lived in Europe when I was a kid. I mean, in Europe, they automatically like the first time you get a cold, like they just take your tonsils out. Oh, like, so, nah, you don't need those anymore. Yeah, exactly. And so, uh, I never had an ear infection until about two years ago. Um, okay. And I got an ear infection. It caused me to have this really weird case of vertigo. And no joke, it felt like I was, like, walking through space. And, like, I, I could not figure out what was up and what was down. I, I actually broke a hole in my in the drywall of my hallway because oh I was trying to walk down it, and the vertigo hit. And all of a sudden, I just went straight, you know, 270 pounds of me went straight through a wall. Dude, that's crazy. Yeah, I, I had, like, a crazy bout of it. Uh, several years back now but couldn't see I, I couldn't do anything every time i woke up the room was just spinning and it just like it hit me one day at work i actually drove home like as it was starting oh my god i can't even imagine uh, dude the, the fact that i got home i, I don't know because every time i turned my head it was insane the fact that i didn't crash is is beyond me so i'm like i have no idea what's going on and i'm just laying down and every time i wake up the room is spinning seemingly more or as much it finally started to slow down a little bit but then it would fire back up finally i called my friend to come get me take me to the yard like yeah you're suffering from vertigo they gave me some medicine and it went away and i haven't had but one other small thing since but again they that's one of the things they told me is that once you have vertigo you can always be susceptible to it and yeah i couldn't i couldn't do anything you, you talk about walking falling into a wall i couldn't even stand up i would like wake up every six hours or something and crawl the restaurant i probably should have gone to the ER sooner, but I was like, oh, I'm just going to wait this out. Cool. As a, as a recovering alcoholic, I'm more equipped to deal with that. <laughs> <laughs> I've had more I've had more instances of the world spinning around me and having trouble standing up and, and things like that. And so it may not have affected me as badly as it affected you. 
Yeah. Uh, you yeah, know, because all you for me, you, you just you know, you just look for the you know the third one, which is usually the you know <laughs> the hallway in the middle to walk down, um, and that kind of just makes it a little easier. Well, there's there's some good tips on how to handle vertigo. Don't do that. Uh, okay, next one. <laughs> Drink Austin heavily Riley. when you're younger. Yeah, that that way you can handle it. Uh, Austin Riley versus Michael Chavis. Uh, we got done singing the praises of Jordan Alvarez, Keston Hero, Fernando Tatis, Pete Alonso. They're all doing well. Austin Riley and Michael Chavis were once thought of in that esteem with those two guys. They've fallen on hard times. The league has adjusted, and not, neither of them have adjusted back just yet. And so they're they're you know they've fallen a bit. Both have 16 homers, although I will say Riley's in 236 plate appearances, Chavis is in 331, which is good for Chavis, but it just says how excellent Riley's is. Uh, hitting 248 for Riley, 255 for Chavis. They strike out a ton. They don't walk a lot. No, They're I mean, both Chavis still power is walking sources. walking at a 9% clip. Yeah, I can I can do Okay, I can live with that. Yeah, 5% for Riley, which is yeah. bad. 9% I can live with. So, these two guys we've seen them hit a slump now. Who are you betting on the rest of the way to to emerge from that, maybe get hot again or at least stay stable and then we'll talk about 2020. I mean, both of these guys have shown the ability to get hot at the major league level. Uh, so, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if either um, do. I'm going to go for the rest of this season, I'm going to go with Riley because Chavis is dealing with a back injury and it's oh, probably going to hit the worst. IL uh, at some point here in the next day or two if they haven't already made that move by the time we've recorded or this has been released. So, uh, I think just health-wise, the safer bet is Riley. I think that's that's fair. I, I hate back injuries. They worry me. Obviously, if someone's going on the IL, we're going to go Riley together uh, because you're not going to just take on the distressed asset. There's not enough time for that to be a smart uh, play. So bet on Riley coming back. Hopefully, he can cut down on those strikeouts or at least just keep delivering the homers. You know, does, He's not getting a lot of hits, but when he is, he's still getting some homers. So we'll take that from Riley. Uh, next year, though, let's say Chavis does play through it, you know, gets through his back injury, everything's fine. He end, they both end the season solidly, spinning it forward. Who would we like then between Austin Riley and Michael Chavis for next year? I think it's Chavis for me, and I don't know that it's going to be particularly close. And I think okay. that is something that is going to go against the grain within the industry. Uh, I think people are going to look at Austin Riley's uh, pedigree and want to push him up higher. I just think there's a, a safer floor for Chavis. He's shown just a, a, a bit better hit tool in the major leagues. Uh, I think the power potential is equal, and the teams are equal-ish. Uh, I think you might actually give Chavis the uh, kind of the bump there. Uh, mm -hmm. I uh, yeah I think I think there's going to be a little bit of a discount on Chavis that may not be there as much with Riley and for that I I would easily take him but I think in just general even if they're the same price I think I'm going to take Chavis especially that multi-position eligibility. Yeah, you definitely make a lot of sense there as far as why why you'd be interested uh, in Riley over Chavis. I, I I'm kind of intrigued by that. I, I like both. That's another one where I like the the duo. If I if I have to pick between one, probably would lean Riley. So we're we're at, we're at odds Why? there, but it is close. Because <sighs> I mean, that's my, my question is the the one showing better play discipline is Chavis. Riley yes. went on that huge heater and then has just been ice cold. Chavis has been at least been more consistent. There hasn't been the higher. Well, he opened piece. with a pretty crazy heater, no? Yeah, he did, but I, I, he's just been a little bit, and maybe I'm maybe I'm editorializing a little bit, but it just feels to you like he's been more consistent. Uh, I think I'm buying that Riley's power ceiling's a little bit higher. Really? I think. Yeah, I'm thinking power wise. You uh, think Chavis is better there? I think he might. I be. think Riley is a 40 homer hitter. I think Chavis is more of like a 33 homer hitter. Okay, that's right. Thirty-three. I I, I like precise. the specificity of your of your prediction right there. Yeah, we're precise here. Yeah, that, this is why you we know, are like the best. Where we're the reigning podcast champions in in fantasy baseball. That's I said right. that that's really right. poorly. It's our it's our precision that gets it yes. done. Um, maybe 
I'm unduly influenced by my uh, Arizona Folly love for Riley. Not that I didn't see Chavis perform well there, though, too. But it was Riley who who stood out to me. So I'll admit maybe that's kind of a tiebreaker um, unnecessarily. So I don't know. They're very close. I, I can't really go against you for favoring Chavis. And I'm with you, though. If you if you do think that that's against the grain and there's ends up being a split where Riley gets kind of pushed up on helium and Chavis gets kind of brought down a little bit, um, for whatever reason, then I will lean Chavis. If they're close, I know you said that if they're close, you'd still buy Chavis too. But if they're close, I'm going to go Riley. But if they start to split, give me the cheaper guy because I can't make too much of a split between these two. Yeah, I, I like the fact that Chavis has first and second base eligibility. Riley's going to be Riley, outfield only. He won't be outfield and third base? Oh, he's not playing any he's third? Not, not playing any third base this year as far as I can remember. I'm, I'm looking at his yeah, game yeah. log. He's played two games at third base. So Okay, uh, so no, he's not. Maybe at Yahoo he could. Because yeah, uh, well, he he's thought yeah, he about too. third base yeah, um, this he year. He hit a triple. So, he's, uh, he's been to third base, if you yes. know what I mean. Okay, mm-hmm. moving on. <laughs> so uh, for the rest of these hitting groups, we're not going to spin it forward to next year because they're going to be like there may be open. no next year for that. No. Yeah. Well, it's not even that. It's just that they're going to be like later round picks, and it's going to be like in that past like round thirteen plus when you really just start making your own choices. So really focusing on where they're going to go, I don't think is that worthwhile. So Christian Walker versus Daniel Vogelbach. Who do you like the rest of the year? Ooh, give me Vogelbach, dude. Uh, <laughs> I you picked him because you guys have the same body type. Yes, he's he's a he's big a man. He's a he's monster. A, he's, I, I love when his swing, dude. It's it's interesting. Like it, it feels like it doesn't go all the way through because he can't get it around his body. Like I'm not even trying to be make a fat joke either. It does seem like he, but it makes it look cooler because he then hits it five million. Without seemingly even following through, and uh, I love watching him hit bombs, dude. Vogelbach's a beast. He, he is, and uh, I mean, I think he's been a bit unlucky in the average department. So I think I think that could come up uh, quite a bit. I mean, he's got a two forty six BABIP, which seems unfairly low uh, yeah. for him. Twenty three home runs in three hundred sixty six plate appearances. Uh, that Seattle team has moved pieces to make sure he's going to be in the lineup. Uh, I, I like Vogelbach a lot. I'm, I'm, I, uh, uh, aside from the fact that he, uh, him and I share body types, uh, and no one's ever seen us in the same place at the same time. Uh, good point, dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, 17% walk rate. I mean, just 17%. And you look at that 24% strikeout rate, but then look at the 8% swinging strike. Mm-hmm. His strikeouts are because he gets deep in counts. Yes. This is not a guy that's up there fling. This is, this is you know, some strikeouts are like a workplace hazard. For me to be patient, for me to get into deep counts, I'm going to have some strikeouts. It's not always just flailing and not knowing what the hell you're doing. So that is encouraging. And you bring that up in respect to Vogelbach's potential average. If he's hitting 255, if you're adding 22 points of batting average to that, Oh man, I'm taking that all day. So yeah, I'm actually going to lean with Vogelbach as well. I do love Christian Walker. I was I was on the hype train early, and I, again, I'm gonna I'm gonna cop out a little bit. I put these two close together. I really like both of them, but I am gonna commit to Walker's one. I'm gonna not, say, yeah, Walker's not a bad choice. You know, he's striking out a bit more. We saw the slump and what happened there, uh, and, he, and he's emerged back, which I like. Yeah, he, uh, you know, he's a. Uh, God, he's 28 years old, man. He's he was an older That's prospect, so yeah. Um, not that Vogelbach is a you know spring chicken. But he's 26. two years younger, so mm-hmm. I just that that's a that's a little bit of a tiebreaker. I will say Christian Walker six steals, but how much can we project that for? We can give him credit for it this year, but but do you really think that no. you would project him for six no, even three next or, year? Three or four? I, I think yeah, he's more he's more of an opportunistic base stealer. Could couldn't agree more. Couldn't he, agree more. So fun fun fact for uh, Vogelbach. Uh, Vogelbach has got a 22% O-swing percentage and a 24% strikeout percentage. Dude, like, I'm and telling you. And a 17% walk rate. I mean, he is not flailing. And there, there really isn't anybody in the majors like him. No, no, he's a very unique player. Uh, it's really interesting. I'm glad that they've, they've cleared out the time for him. I used to be negative on him. Uh, I'll bring that up because I, I I was at a point like, guys, stop with the Vogelbach crap. Those people were right. They they were right to stick with Vogelbach. 
I did not well, I see. I think they have hugely benefited from the juiced ball with him. Fair, part, fair enough. Part of, part of the problem with Vogelbach was he's always had this batting eye. Like, we knew that he had a real chance to be, like, you know, a 400 OBP guy uh, yes. in, in the major leagues. You know, the, the average obviously dropping that uh, down this year. But, it, you know, he's one of those guys that, yeah, a 400 OBP was kind of in his wheelhouse. The question was, in spite of the fact that he was a big guy, he wasn't hitting the ball out in the minor leagues, and so he didn't project to have a crap ton of power. I mean, even even on our site, you know, he, he had a game power of 50 uh, potential. Like, yeah, that's not that's... what he's shown this year. I think part of it is he made a swing adjustment in the minor leagues. Part of it also is he's benefiting from these juice balls a lot. For sure. He has taken full advantage. Vogelbach has 23 homers in 366 plate appearances, so you make a good point there. Uh, but if you waited out on him and or, or kept investing every year because it's not a guy you really had to keep, then then it panned out big time. I really like this next one here. These two guys are both uh, interesting. They've been big waiver pickups for folks. It's Garrett Cooper versus Brian Reynolds. Uh, Garrett Cooper on the Marlins has 11 homers, 309 average, 382 OBP, 502 slug. Brian Reynolds, seven homers. And he has a 331, 400, 502. He's got 300, 400, 500. But it's a 331 average. He's doing the he, fam. Dude, it, it's been insane. He's got a 419 Babbitt, obviously fueling things. But he's doing a lot of good stuff, too. I don't want to just say it's Babbitt and, and be done with it because that's not fair because we didn't bring up that Keston here has a 442 or that uh, Jordan Alvarez has a 414. When you're riding this hot, there is going to be some quality Babbitt there generally. So we know he's not going to stay this hot, and Garrett Cooper's not going to maintain a 389 Babbitt. But what can these two do going forward, and, and who do you prefer more um, between Garrett Cooper on the Marlins and Brian Reynolds on the Pirates? Mm. Uh, this, is for me, is an upside versus safety kind of conversation, or, or what do you need? Who's uh, got the upside? I think uh, Garrett Cooper has the upside. I like that. Uh, I think Cooper... Uh, the way he's swinging the bat, that he could easily hit 15 home runs the rest of the way, especially if somehow he, uh, you know, I mean, he he's an older guy, older prospect too. He's 28 years old, so the Marlins could conceivably move him at the deadline. They should be open to we're listening should, on him and Caleb Smith for to be sure. honest. He, he, and you know, he should be, you know, he's got plenty of control left. Uh, he could get a nice mint. And if he got out of Marlins Park, uh, that would be a huge boon to his value. Uh, that being said, I don't expect them to move him necessarily. Uh, but I, like I said, his home runs come in bunches, and I think the power uh, is fairly legitimate. And I think, especially in this juice ball era, you know, I know Steamers project, Steamer depth charts, the bat, zips are all projecting him for like seven home runs the rest of the way. Uh, I, I think that is very, very. Uh, uh, conservative, and I'd probably project him to like 10, 12, something like that. Yeah. Uh, the question is, where does the batting average fall uh, for, for, for Cooper? Uh, and I think there's a much lower, especially with the team dynamic around him, the, the floor is much lower. Whereas with Brian Reynolds, like I don't expect him to hit a ton more home runs. The, the park doesn't do him any favors. Uh, he's much more of a line drive guy. Uh, you know, yeah, that's that not huge, that huge uh, launch angle that kind of portends uh, home run power. Uh, but he can kind of do a little bit of everything. And I th while that batting average is going to come down, like I still think he's going to hit 290 rest of the way. Yeah, that's the thing. If he keeps just smacking the piss out of the ball, um, then the Babbitt isn't going to crater. And I think he, I agree that he could still hit 280, 290 the rest and of the way. Hitting him fourth and fifth. I was just that, about to bring that up. In that lineup. And so the the ceiling isn't huge for him. Like he's probably only going to hit like another five or six home runs, maybe steal a, a couple bags, but he's going to hit 290. He's going to get runs and RBIs hitting fourth or fifth in that lineup. Uh, and there's obviously room for growth at 24. Uh, so it's just kind of what your team needs. If you're just looking to kind of hold on, like Brian Reynolds is on every single one of my cash DFS lineups, like every day. Yeah, I love it. He's like so it. cheap, and you know, for some reason, and uh, but like I'd never put him into a GPP. It just well, doesn't make any sense. And like as far as um, you know what he's what he's doing in fantasy, 
even with this big run and and believing in uh, some of what he's doing, it's hard to really recommend him in like a three outfielder league. So it's got to be oh, like yeah. a five outfielder setup for Brian Reynolds. I forget people play in three outfielder leagues. Yeah, uh, at least with Cooper, there's the outfield and first base eligibility, so you could always you could throw him at corner. You have corner utility and outfield even in those shallower setups. So I'm going to go with Cooper the rest of the way. Um, I, Reynolds has shown himself, hey, I'm, I'm here. I'm a legit player. Not super flashy, though, so give me Cooper. I, I do think you could spike double-digit homers the rest of the way. I agree with you there. Uh, all right, next up, Brandon Lau against Alex Verdugo. I already mentioned that Lau's hurt, so actually I'll, I'll break the rule on this one. I will spin this forward to 2020 because otherwise it's an easy Verdugo pick just because of Lau's injury. So since Lau's hurt, Let's assume it's nothing that carries forward right now until we know otherwise. And then look at these two going next year. Because I know that you weren't a huge fan of either. So what has changed uh, for you in your outlook? I wasn't a huge fan of Lau, but Verdugo is more about the like the dynasty long-term value because of some off-the-field issues. Um, yeah. I told people that I was fine with where he was going this year and actually to buy him this year. Uh, and then try to flip him in your dynasty leagues. I, I'm still still saying that. I do not trust the long term uh, for for Alex Verdugo. Uh, and really, at the end of the day, like it's not that interesting of a profile. Like he, that's he's, that's true. He's not right now. Have, yeah, he's gonna have like a really nice year. He's gonna have had you know hit 17 home runs and stolen like seven eight bases. Probably hit you know 290 this year when it's all said and done. And that's kind of what I projected him to be like at, in a full season worth of plate appearances, right? It was like the the, the premier Melky Cabrera. It is quite Melkish. Yeah. I have to agree with that. So, like, like, and that's fine. But give me the upside of Lau, who, yes, he strikes out a ton. But, man, he's got power for days. In the he, he's gonna you know he's playing kind of a premium position especially in fantasy, uh, I just I mean playing in Tampa Bay which you know hopefully they can move to Montreal or something like that and get out of that stadium but um, mm-hmm. I just yeah I just I, I love that upside of Lau um, and I know that they're gonna play him like the the problem with Tampa Bay prospects is you're always worried about their playing time now that he's up and established himself he's not going to have to worry about that whereas in the in LA, there's always going to be questions of playing time because that team is just so good and stacked. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's absolutely true. Um, they they have an embarrassment of riches over there. It's absolutely insane. I love both these guys. Um, I, I do sometimes get too hooked on Verdugo's defense. It it only helps him avoid some of the Dodgeritis with the playing time, but it doesn't really make him a better fantasy player. And I need to divorce those two things. You know, watching late night games, I usually have the Dodgers on because they have so many exciting players. I see him do cool shit. And I'm like, Verdugo. But then I'm like, 12 homers, four steals, 300. It's, it's good, but it's not like uber special. He's, a, so. he's like a compiler and he's a really, really he's good He's a great glue guy. Yep. Yes, he's a great compiler. But like, I think next year, his name value from his prospect pedigree and the fact that he's actually had a really nice year. He's going to wind up with a good year, yeah. He's going to end up being, like, a top 120 pick. And then that could become too much. Like, and then that's he way misses. too much because, like, there's no upside. He needs 150 games. Yeah, and to who really knows do, if he'll get that. Because I agree with you. Um, to really have the – because he needs to have the full volume impact because his per game – it's not bad, but it's just not that good. And, and for a batting average to really be worth it, you need, you know, 600 PAs on, on it or, or uh, you know, 550 you know the Dodgers will go out say. and, like, spend big money on some sort of free agent next year just to block it all up, right? Obviously. So. Oh, because because they know they'll get injuries, and so they'll do that for sure. All right, Kevin Newman can, or before, Kevin. Before we, before we jump yeah. on to the next one, can I just say how much I love having roster resource over on Fangraphs? Dude, how great is it? It's just it's I just love... so much nicer. Like and it's much faster. Oh, oh it's it, it's it's it really done. amazing. Great job, Jason Martinez of Roster Resource and Sean Dolanair. Um, you know they've got they've got the speeds up. Everything looks great. They're going to be adding more stuff to to the pages. So it's it's been excellent. I love having it for sure. Um, all right, well, now you can flip over to your Pittsburgh page or your Toronto uh, roster resource page because we're talking about Kevin Newman and Kevin Biggio. And I was going to bring up Kevin Newman when I was talking Brian Reynolds. Um, Newman's been great this year. 
he kind of goes between first and seventh in the batting order, depending on who's pitching, righty or lefty. He gets to bat first against lefties, but so mostly down in the order. But he's been a godsend. I mean, he's been doing really well coming off the wire since coming up. Remember when he and Cole Tucker, it was Tucker who got all the hype. Yeah. And it didn't quite work out. Uh, he, re- he really didn't do anything. But Newman's been the guy. 323 average, six homers, six steals. I will mention that the six steals come in 11 tries. So be careful projecting <laughs> forward on the steals. But he gets credit for what he's done so far. So he's been good. But uh, who do we like here between Newman and Kevin Biggio? I think I'm going to go Newman because I feel the batting average is much safer. Much. Uh, and I don't know that – I think Biggio has maybe a, high, a little bit higher ceiling in terms of the power uh, and maybe even some of the speed. Uh, but that the, the difference of – I mean, we're talking like 100 points in batting average right now. Yeah. Uh, so and, and probably sixty minimum the rest of the year. Yeah, I would say at least at least sixty. Yeah, I, fifty to sixty is a, a fairly conservative estimate at this point. So, uh, I think people tend to downgrade batting average, and I'm one of those who tend to downgrade batting average. But don't downgrade fifty to sixty points of it. Yeah, especially if the power speed output can be similar. So I'm gonna go. With Newman the rest of the way, really, uh, again, we're not getting too deep into next year, but I'm eager to see where these two prices go because I think both could be bargains. I don't think Bejo's price is really going to go up that much, and I know Newman's isn't because he's he's just nondescript. No one's really going to be that interested in yeah, him. Yeah, so. I mean, he's, they're, they're both going to be kind of later guys, uh, and you're kind of just going to pick and choose, but uh, I think they're both going to be interesting guys for next year for sure. I would agree. Uh, all right, let's move over to the pitching ones. We have four of those. Only one of them really has next year uh, measures to it because the, the the other six guys just they're going to be late tier guys that will kind of sort out in the wash. Uh, but let's start with Chris Paddock and Mike Soroka. They've been far and away the two best pitchers this year as far as starting pitching goes. And with Soroka, you're getting you know excellent ratios over 100 in two innings so far. 246 ERA, 109 WHIP, 21% strikeout rate, only 6% walk. With Paddock, it's been 90 innings of a 270 ERA, 0.87 WHIP, 27% strikeout rate, and the same 5% walk rate. Um, so they've both been great. I know rest of the year, I, I I feel like you might lean one way, although they could both face innings at limits so we don't really know there but then i'm also interested in what you think about 2020 for paddock v soroka uh for this year i feel like it's a pretty easy decision for me in terms of going soroka over paddock Mm -hmm. uh paddock threw 90 innings total last year he's got 90 innings right now uh the padres have made a youth movement up to the majors which tells me that maybe they aren't thinking of 2019 as a year to compete uh and if that's the case then at some point they're going to at least slow paddock down if not shut him down completely yeah and atlanta just can't with soroka and they yeah, just cannot they, they have they to rely can't. on him and yep uh that may be and that that is one of the things that kind of flips me for next season because i'm worrying about this toll on soroka's arm because i mean soroka threw call. less innings last year than paddock did because we for, we forget about that injury so he, he's already right. at 102 point one innings uh, in the majors, hundred and what three point two or hundred and eleven in uh, with the minor leagues. So like he's way over what he did last year. Now he's got a history 2017 through 153 innings, 2016 143. So uh, I think the Braves are hoping that that kind of sustains him. But that's really kind of scary for me long term on Soroka. So and I think Paddock. He's going, you know, now that he'll have built up innings, we can comfortably project him for like 170 to 190 next year. Uh, We're talking about him as a top five pitcher going into Mm -hmm. 2020. So, like, I I think both questions are particularly not close in terms of this year's value for next or or next year's. I like that. I I like all that. I think um, Soroka rest of the year and then Paddock will be ranked higher. On my on my 2020 rankings, I really don't have much else to add there. I think you covered it beautifully. All right, the next one is Spencer Turnbull versus Merrill Kelly. Turnbull is nicked right now, but I believe due back relatively soon. 
So I felt that he could be compared to somebody who is uh, who is upright right now. So who are you looking at the the rest of the way here? Oh, excuse me. Turnbull's gonna be out the rest of the month. I thought he was uh, well, tracking to Merrill return Kelly. this week. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that makes it kind of easy there. Do you want to give a few thoughts on Turnbull when he comes back? Is he somebody that you'd be cutting right now with this injury out till at least the start of August, or would you hang on to try to see if you can get some good starts down the stretch? Oh, I think, I mean, obviously if I can just afford to stash him, I will because he has been really, really good. Uh, but I, if, I, if I'm in a roster crunch situation, and I know some people are right now with the amount of injuries that have kind of happened over the last few weeks, I don't have a problem kind of cutting bait. You know, yeah. There, there's the whip's one... piled up. You're mm-hmm. not getting any dubs. I, I like Turnbull. I love that he's been a nice development for the Tigers this mm-hmm. year, but I don't think you have to hold him. I agree with you. No. Uh Kelly's been a really interesting guy. Yeah, give uh, some thoughts on on Merrill Kelly, what he's done this year, and what what he can do the uh, the rest of the way here. I think he's really kind of uh, benefited from that uh, humidor um, mm-hmm. in uh, in Arizona. Two eighty three home ERA versus a four sixty eight road ERA. Whoa, I did not realize it was that stark. Yeah, it's been. Uh, he's a night and day pitcher. Holy hell! I'll yeah, let you 50, stay the rest of the stats. Fifty five strikeouts. Um, at home, 37 on the road, and there's more road innings, uh, oh two more road innings. So, like, the, there's a huge difference between who he is um, at home and who he is on the road, and the, the main reason, I think, is that being able to grip that ball because of the humidor uh, in, in Arizona. Uh, so, like, he's a guy that I find really interesting depending on where he's playing and yeah. obviously who he's playing against, but he's a guy that... Uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of a lot of people who are kind of okay. I can only use this guy at home. I can only use this guy, this guy on the road, and he's just done excellent work at home. And so, uh, I think he's a guy I would like to kind of be able to play those matchups with. Thirty years old, so maybe the future isn't super bright with him or anything like that. Like, there's not going to be any further development down the road for 2020 or beyond. Uh, but he is, uh, I think, a real interesting guy, especially for DFS rest of the way. Um, and you also didn't hit on the fact that the walks are 25 to six road yeah. versus home for Kelly. So just a literal different pitcher. And I missed it on that. And that is a great DFS play. Merrill Kelly at home. Um, I think even if they move his price up, sure. But if, if for some reason they're sleeping at the wheel and they kind of leave his price where it is normally, then that's a big boon for you with, uh, with Kelly. I believe he's throwing tonight, isn't he? In what Al Melchior, uh, noticed is, an amazing matchup. Do you know who he's facing tonight? Isn't he at home versus Baltimore? Yes. And yeah. and who could he be facing? But Dylan Bundy making it a uh, Kelly Bundy matchup, which is absolutely fantastic. Well played, Al. I just yeah. Yeah. That was that's, I mean like that's wheelhouse right there. Married with children was uh was definitely something I I, I, I love how on, so. I uh you know, I I, I I knew like this, like that he was a much better home pitcher, and then I still didn't use him in DFS for some apparent reason. Yeah, you're an idiot. If you had yeah. told me that like ten minutes before the show, I could have put him in tonight yeah, no, because I, against Baltimore too. Damn. I went with Stra- really- Strasburg and Daniel Hudson. Um, now I'm really like uh, looking at like, hmm, should I do a late slate? Let me see. I just want to <laughs> use Merrill Kelly at home right now. Uh, all right, let's move over to John Means and Zach Plesac. The all-star to? John Means, we do have to because that's where pitching is right now. It might, actually would have been better to go Means versus Kelly and then Turnbull Plesak. Um, So don't worry about the versus. I think, well, unless you're going to pick Plesak, I would think that Means is the easy pick. But I'm more interested in what you did with the last pair of guys, which is just talk about both as opposed to really compare the two. Uh, I mean, I don't want to talk about Plesak that much because <laughs> that, enough. like, he dude gives up a ton of home runs. Uh, he doesn't have huge strikeout potential. He's walking too many guys. Uh, like I know he's got a three fifty ERA, uh, but like that is gonna regress hard. Uh, like all all the projection systems have him as like a five ERA guy rest of the way with a like a one point four WHIP. Yikes! Like I I don't want anything to do with Plesac rest of the way. Uh, means has been uh, a, just a surprising entity and he Oh for sure. The, the same type of thing where like the the ERA indicators, you know, FIP and XFIP uh both like almost two runs above uh where he uh where he currently resides 
uh, with a sub three ERA. Uh, and he doesn't have a ton of strikeout potential either. Uh, but like he continues to just defy the odds. So I'm a little bit more comfortable with him in spite of the fact that he pitches in Baltimore with the Orioles. Uh, but just he's just a crafty lefty and, and kind of fun to watch. So yeah. I'm going to go with John Means. Yeah, again, I really don't have a lot to add to that. You covered police tax deficiencies squarely. And uh, Means, he really has been interesting. I mean, he's not a huge strikeout guy, but you watch him and you understand – I think if you're really on the fence about him, especially if you're using him and you're like tepid with your usage of John Means, uh, sit down and, and watch a start or two. You'll see why it works. Like it, it makes sense why it works in a uh, he peak Marco that Estrada contact yes. so well, and just they can't square him up. Yeah, no, it's it's impossible. That that uh, that change, man. That, yeah, that changes so money. It, it, again, it's it's like a left-handed uh, Marco Estrada type, that, right down to the fact really that good example or a really good comp right there. I, I think it it fits so well too because it also has a little bit of a home run issue because when you hang the changeups or when you miss just a bit, it, it can go yard. But but when you're dialed in, it's trouble and he doesn't walk anybody. So yeah, think about that. Think about him as like a Marco Estrada, and that will make sense. Um, all right, so last one here is Griffin Canning versus Trent Thornton. And because of all the hype that Canning gets in the fantasy market, you might think that that's a crazy comp. But their FIP is one point off, 469 to 470. Um, it's a 26% strikeout rate for Canning, 23 for Thornton. And Thornton's been pretty bad, 545, 154 ERA whip. And the metrics are saying he's been a little bit better. Canning's been what his FIP says. He has a 467 ERA, but a 118 whip. He's been going the wrong way of late, though. So who do you like the rest of the way between Canning and Thornton? Mm, I'm going to go Canning only because the team and Parker better. And division. And division, yeah. Um, I actually really like Thornton a lot. Uh, I do, too. And I think he is uh, a few adjustments and maybe uh, – Maybe another pitch away from you know uh, fig of really being able to take a step next year. So he's going to be he's a, a high dollar guy next year for sure. Yeah, he's going to be a guy that I have a lot of cheap shares of next season. Um, totally agree with you, and I think Canning shares won't be that expensive. I don't think so either. But Canning's so, also twenty three. He's got a lot of prospect pedigree. Thornton's twenty five and no po- and prospect yeah, pedigree. Uh, so, like, I think there will be a stark difference in price between the two. It mm-hmm. may be, like, Canning's $4 and, and Thornton is $1 uh, in auctions. But uh, I think, yeah, the rest of the way I'm going to take Canning. But I'll, I'm going to take that, I think, what is going to be a stark discount next year on, on Trent Thornton. I think that uh, I'm, I'm 100% with you on that. So, again, I'm not going to try to add where I don't really have – Anything better to say? So we're just going to go with that and and wrap it up there on our rookie review. It's been a great class, and we could still add a few pieces to it uh, the rest of this year, I'm sure. You know, somebody like Luis Urias, uh, I, I'm keeping a close eye on him. I'm glad that he's back up. And if he went off, would would either of us be surprised? No. Nope. So uh, ho- certainly hoping that he's able to do that. But um, anything else you got uh, you got going on right now? Are we going to do a second episode this week? Yeah, yeah. Let's do one on Thursday. Um... All right. Yeah, let's do another episode Thursday. Uh, maybe I can see if we can find a guest or something. Um, that that could be a, a great idea. Or are you, By the are way, you free around eleven, so I can, and then I'll just go book yeah. a uh, book a guest for eleven. Yeah, that sounds great. Right. By the way, uh, you guys can watch this to make fun of it because it probably will happen. I took out my second pitcher. He hadn't pitched yet to put in Merrill Kelly. <laughs> He's going to get bombed. He is dead, and Caleb Smith's throwing a no-hitter tonight. So just so you know. Oh, that happened. was a mistake. And uh, so I, I, I did it, and I had extra money, so I also switched Verdugo for Yelich. Oh, so I so get the Yelich upgrade. Verdugo's, Verdugo's going to hit three two homers. bombs, yeah. yeah. Uh, and Ke- and tra- Kelly's dead. I had Trey Kelly's Turner, dead. and he led off with a home run. I see that. The leaders all have Trey Turner, so that's good. Yep, yep, so... But yeah, so uh, we'll, I'm, we'll see I'm, how that goes. I'm in a uh, heated uh, battle in uh, in the Friends of Fancy Benefits uh, DFS league. Oh, so let's go. We we do one similar to like Tout Daily, except we play twice a week. And I'm the current leader for the month of July with three 
uh, three kind of contests to go for the month. So uh, need to need to get one of those playoff you need tickets. To hold on. Yeah. yeah, you need you, you can't have one dud in the three. You can do all right and maybe not win, but I feel like you can't. You have My to avoid the dud. My month of June was pretty terrible. It was actually kind of nice that we didn't get all those contests filled because you would have been saved me five bucks. Like no joke, I was up like probably a few thousand dollars uh, for April for you know April and uh, in May. Uh, in mm-hmm. DFS, and I gave most of it back in June, and July's been much better, so I'm kind of... June swoons. I don't know what it was, um, but, uh, yeah, it's it's nice to be back on kind of the winning streak. Well, that's good. Uh, hopefully you do well tonight, just not too well. Hopefully you finish second. Wait, did you do win or take all again? I did not. I did top five win. I really wanted to play that, though. That would have been fun just to see. Somebody would have gotten yes. 300 bucks off of our little game. <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry. Unfor- yeah, unfortunately, I, I do things in the middle of the night when I'm uh, sleep-deprived. Like I, I I've had- almost done that, though, uh, where I had to do the last review, and I saw that it was winner-take-all, and I'd have to go back and fix it. Because, yeah, I've almost done that exact exact thing. And so, uh, it w- again, it didn't make, but I do think it would have been kind of fun to see how that would have gone. Yeah, it it uh well, it's a nice little payday for somebody that pays for their rest of their years DFS. So oh yeah uh, yeah, but uh, we got it we got it made this time we got fifty so we'll see how yeah I'll uh, we'll stick with fifty spin. rest of the way that seems yeah. like the correct well, number because fewer people are playing too so yeah. we'll always promote it we we are gonna do fifty players the rest of the year and uh, uh, always look for that on Twitter and Facebook group and the road to write up, up yeah. on on the Tuesday or Monday night uh. uh you know, uh, m- Monday night on social media, Tuesday in the road write up. Anyway, let's get out of here and uh, we'll talk to you later this week. Take it easy.